It is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. We'll get you started with a tip of the cap to two guys, Shohei Otani, Ronald Acuna, the respective vote leaders in the AL and NL. They are the first two participants in the All-Star Game. The voting will continue on next week. But speaking of the All-Star Game, I want to let you know that if you're planning to head on up to the Emerald City up there in Seattle, and you're like, I don't have a ticket to the All-Star Game on Tuesday, July 11th, doesn't matter. Come join the biggest party in town. John Boy Media holding a watch party at Optimism Brewing Company up there in Seattle. Now, VIP tickets, those are already sold out. They went quickly, but don't worry because there's a bunch of other ticket options available. We are going to have a live talking baseball. Ploof will be there. Jake will be there. And I'll be sitting with him as well. And we're going to have a live ref guest with Jolly Olive as well. So make sure you join the watch party. Click on the link in the description. Get your tickets today. Less than three weeks to go. We want to see everybody in Seattle, right, Trev? It's the most fun I have all year long is doing the All-Star Game. And I'll be honest with you. I think going to our watch party is much more fun than going to the actual yes. All-Star Game. Like, it's chill. You have beers and you hang out with us and we're talking ball. And it's just like a very – like we talk about community a lot with John Boy Media – it's a beautiful baseball community. Like you're going to feel, you're going to feel the warmth. Well, here's the point I make. If you are going up to Seattle, do whatever you can to get tickets to the home run derby. That is an event. It is the best event of all the all-star game festivities in the four major sports. I will put it against anything, but as far as the game, the game's whatever the game, like I can't tell you the last game that I was like, and I'm an all-star junkie. I was like, the last one I really remember as far as being fun, fun for me as a Cleveland fan was 97 when Sandy Alomar Jr. was the MVP, hit a homer off of Sean Estes. But before that, as a non-Cleveland guy, 94 in Pittsburgh, where I think Tony Gwynn scored the game-winning run in extra innings. And that was a blast. That was a cool game. But the game's whatever. Hang out with us. Get your tickets today. All right. Start talking about the best series of the weekend. It is happening in the Queen City, Cincinnati, Ohio, the epicenter of the baseball world right now. Reds have won 11 straight. They welcome in the Atlanta Braves, who have won eight in a row. Listen, we know what Atlanta's all about. They have been there for years. But how important is this six-game run against the Braves and then next week in Baltimore for the young upstart known as America's team? I struggle with this question a little bit because I'm not sure what you mean uh, about how important it is. Obviously, you want to win series. I guess this is more of like uh, a litmus test for how good they really are. Is that what you're kind of asking, right? Well, you could take it any direction you want. You could say, listen, Chris, it's another series or two. If they go two and four, it's not that big a deal. Or you could say, hey, listen, they kicked Houston's ass in Texas last weekend. If they do this against Atlanta, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm on board. It it is a series that I know a lot of those guys on the Reds team are looking forward to because you do want to play the best. And when you're firing like they are right now, this is the perfect time to play these guys. So I think that for them, I think Atlanta is going to be a really good test for them. I mean, Atlanta is just a completely solid ball club with basically no holes. So this is going to be uh, a tough series. One that I think because they're on this streak, they're ready for. The one that's more interesting to me, I think, is them versus Baltimore because I think they kind of match up 
similarly mm. against that team. You know, like the, both those teams are going to hit. They're going to find starting pitching what they need to do it, or as far as they need to. And then the bullpens are going to have to do their job. I think they're more evenly matched. I think the Braves are a better team overall. Uh, but this is baseball and like the Reds are hot. So I'm not worried about this. It's not going to define a season for them at all. Like they, they, they have brought themselves into the conversation and quickly. Uh, so I think that I'm more interested in the Baltimore um, Red Series than I am in the Braves Red Series. Although like you're talking about the best team in the National League versus the hottest team in the National League. So that does get the juices flowing for me a little bit. So I think this is a huge series for the fans of Cincinnati. And if you've seen the social media clips, they've been awesome down there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a blast this weekend. I hope they sell out all three games. Um, I think it's big for the players as well. And they're going to have an opportunity to hit, right? They're going against a 20-year-old rookie who's been good so far, but he's a 20-year-old rookie tonight. And then they get a 24-year-old rookie tomorrow before they have to face Charlie Morton on Sunday. I think this is a huge next week for Nick Crawl, the GM of the Cincinnati Reds, because I think he's going to get a chance to see what his pitching staff, although shorthanded because of injury, is like against two of the better hitting teams. I mean, the Braves, yep. OPS, home runs, Baltimore is top 10 in a lot of categories. So does will Nick Crawl at the end of these six games say, okay, when I get Hunter Green back shortly, when I get Nick Lodolo back, maybe by August. When I get Ashcraft back from whatever he's dealing with in the cat. Do I feel good enough about those guys? Or do I have to spin some of these younger players that I've obtained or developed, drafted and developed in recent years to make sure this team has a legit shot of win in the NL Central? I think this is just part of the building process for him. It's come sooner than he's wanted it to. I mean, not sooner than he's wanted it to not come, wanted. but than he expected it to come. Possibly. And I, I love when front offices get put in this situation. It's every team, young team's dream to force the hand at the trade deadline. It's exactly what you want. And they'll say, hey, like, didn't Jonathan India come on your show? And be like, we don't need anybody. He did um, say that. He said, well, I like the guys that we have say- in the clubhouse. Yes, but he also did say that I feel like the time is now, and that's just when they started kind of getting going a little bit in Boston. You know, it was well before this 11-game run that they've been on. And by the way, the Reds, they're not pitching a couple of their young guys this weekend. We won't see Abbott and Williamson until the Baltimore series. So it'll be fascinating to watch. As for the best team in baseball, at least record-wise, the Tampa Bay Rays, they lost the start of a series against the Kansas City Royals last night. By the way, no Wander Franco in the starting lineup. He won't be there again tonight. He has been disciplined by the club. Here's Kevin Cash before Thursday's loss. Wander's a really good kid, really good person. Uh, he's a young player that is learning and dealing with the challenges of being a major league player and some of the frustrations that come with it. Uh, over the recent, over this, the course of this season, there's been probably multiple times that the the way he has handled his frustrations have not been the way that we ask our players to uphold being the best teammate. That being said, um, we're going to continue to support Wander as he works through this. How big a deal is what's going on with him? Um, If this nips it in the bud, then it's not a big deal. If this is something that's going to continue to 
uh, happen in Tampa, then it can become a big deal. I, I I don't mind what they're doing. I think that there have been some examples with Wander that you kind of scratch your head. Just even in this last series, uh, he hits a ball down the left field line, gets away from the shortstop, and he's standing on first base with a guy with his speed. Like you know, those are obviously times where you need to be on second base, getting uh, getting scoring position. Uh, so I think that what they're trying to do is is instill in him that hey, you're like our leader. Like we gave you this money. We understand you're 22 years old and that you're going to have these ups and downs, but they're not okay. Like you have to be the example because you're the face of the franchise for us. So they're just trying to start it now. The expectations that they have for Wander, I think he'll probably become a better player because of it. You you don't want this out there. It doesn't matter how much money that you have guaranteed you. You don't want to be the player that like needs to be reprimanded. Like that's not what you want. He wants to go out there and play ball. Now, I don't think it's like such a big deal. Like for him, like this isn't like going to make me think about wander any differently. He's 22 years old. There's going to be mistakes. Like cash said, like he's a good kid. He's got to learn from your mistakes when you're young. He will. I think he's going to, this is going to end up benefiting him in the long run. We saw this with other guys throughout the history of baseball. Most recently, what like Ronald Acuna Jr. has gone through stuff like this, and, and by, what he's doing now. And it yes, it's happened with Bryce Harper. It happened with Bryce Harper in the early part of his career. But Blue, there's differences between guys not running a ball out or not being where they're supposed to be defensively, which was reported part of the problem. That usually happens. Guys even get pulled from games, and it happens with veterans. We saw it with Javier Baez earlier this year, and the guy's yep. been around for years. I the, the thing that's alarming to me is that Cash said he wasn't being a good teammate, and he has well, now made that public, okay? It would have been very easy for him to say, hey, Wander's a little tight in his hammies. Uh, he's not going to play today and tomorrow. We'll see. He might be back in on Saturday. As long as he, they took care of it behind closed doors, and they had a meeting about this, too. They told the players which was what was going on, and that's fine. But guess what? We now know what is happening with Wander Franco. We know he's been a shitty teammate. That is out there. Well, I mean, look, all those guys who you get benched for not running balls out, you're being a shitty teammate, Chris. Like, you're not getting in scoring position for your guys. You're not putting the same effort that the other guys of the team are giving. That's being a shitty teammate. We've seen other examples with Wander, which this, again, I, this has happened to me. The throwing of the equipment in the dugout cannot happen. I did it once in my career, and I wasn't like, I got mad, and, you know, like, everybody does. You get frustrated. I slammed my helmet on the on the bat rack and the helmet rack, and the freaking thing took off and hit Michael Kadire like in the shoe, barely. The death stare that I got from Michael Kadire was something I'll never forget. And guess what? I didn't do it again. It okay, guess what? So that that's being a yeah, shitty well, teammate. Well, we saw Brett Gardner, who was one of the most popular Yankees amongst his teammates. He used to do that all the time. You want to take it back a full generation? Paul O'Neill made a living doing that, acting like an ass in the dugout. And, and now these days he sits there and he goes, oh, my God, I can't believe what a fool I look like. But at the same time, you never heard that those guys were shitty teammates because of that stuff. There's got to be something, in my opinion, going on here that like uh, Mark Tompkin, who covers the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times, came out with a list. There were several verbal altercations with teammates, including one in the dugout in May with Randy Rosarena. There was not hustling on the bases or after balls in the field. There was being overly emotional and reacting to unsuccessful at bats. So there's some a little bit of what you're talking about. And there's some other stuff that's going on here. 
this is alarming. And now that it's out here for us to talk about on baseball today and for everybody to formulate an opinion about, I don't know. This might be a misstep by the team that's been the best in baseball so far. I don't think it's going to matter. I think this is something that we're going to talk about for a little bit and we're going to forget. You could go through almost every single player that's ever played and like you have moments where you're not a good teammate. I mean, I could name many times. And mm-hmm. really, I think what it means is, is like, look, if you're having a bad game, but the team's winning and you're moping around, that's being a bad teammate. If we lose the game and you had an awesome day and you're walking around like laughing and uh, that's being a bad teammate. Like there are so many things that you could say, oh, that's being a bad teammate that aren't really that big of a deal. And through 162, it's hard to be a great teammate all throughout it. And some guys make a living out of being a great teammate because it's hard to do. We talk about like energy at the field through 162. It gets so monotonous. Not only does it get monotonous, but it gets frustrating. Um, You get selfish during these days because, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about this because he already has a guaranteed contract. But there are times where, dude, I'm working year to year every single year. And a big day means a lot to me. That's money in my pocket. That's food on my family's table, if you will. I hate when people say that. I don't know why I just said that. But but it is true. There's a lot of there's a lot of instances. I don't think this is going to be that big of a deal. I think that, you know, eventually we'll look back on it and be like, oh, remember that time they benched him? They said this. Look what's done for him. Like, look, it sent a message. That's what they're right, trying so to do. In 30 seconds here, you think you're okay with them making it public. Um I don't know if I would have handled it differently. I, I probably would have, but then you have to answer these questions. And I think if you really, really want to make a point and you really, really want to get it across, you make it public and you make him have to answer these questions when he comes back. He's going to have to stand in front of the media at right. some point. He hasn't done it yet. He's going to have to stand in front of the media and say, look, yeah, I was doing some stuff that I shouldn't have been doing and I've learned from my mistakes and going forward, I'm not going to do those things. It just puts another narrative out there for a team that's trying to hold off some really good clubs in the American League East. I don't know. I think it'll be a fascinating story. Think about this. You know people's personalities. Some people need hugs. Some people need a kick in the butt. Yep. Cash Cash knows which people need what. That's what makes a really good manager. It's, It's honestly the thing that separates managers apart from other managers is understanding the person, uh, behind the player. Well, he is expected back in the lineup on Sunday. You know what you need, and everybody needs? Bird dogs, because they'll make you look great this summer. They're stretch khaki shorts. They're designed for a, to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts, they fit way, way better than regular shorts out there. They do the job. You know, they've got those old shorts, have their restrictive cotton. Those things stink. They don't feel good. They don't look good on you. And so Bird Dog has fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog also uses the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. It keeps you cool and dry all day long. Hey, listen, we're in the month of June. Depending on where you live, you can get humid. And I don't know what you're like, your body temperature. But for me, south of the equator, that could be rough. So Bird Dog is going to help you out. So I want you to do this. Go on over to birddogs.com slash today for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. So not only are they going to make you look great, they're going to cool you down with a Yeti-style tumbler. You're going to walk around. Everybody's going to be like, dude, where did you get that thing? Let's go on over to birddogs.com slash today. You get the Yeti-style tumbler, and you look great in the shorts. You'll be feeling great as well. 
Thanks to bird dogs. All right. Bunch of interesting series out there. Which one is the most interesting to you this weekend? Cards and Cubs over in London. Astros and Dodgers, always interesting out in L.A. D-backs taking on the Giants out by the Bay or something else, maybe. I'm going to get called out for this one as a Yankee hater. And maybe I am, maybe because I work with so many people that love the Yankees, including our producer, uh, that I just get sick of it. You know, but this is interesting to me for a couple of different reasons. Okay. I'm going with the Texas Rangers going into New York. Now, mm-hmm. Rangers are hot. They can hit the ball. Corey Seeger is one of, if not the best hitters in baseball right now. Remember, they could have signed him. They didn't sign him. Right. Right. Because right. they had Volpe. Volpe. Now, Seeger's going off. We know the struggles that Volpe's had. I'm very curious to see the reaction to Seeger, what he does in New York. If he has a big series, my oh my, the storylines are going to be huge. What's that stupid paper they have out there that does like the stupid headlines? The Post, the I think. No. Yeah. Oh, the New York Post. Oh, you're talking about in the city. Yeah. Like if yeah, he yeah, goes yeah. off, they're going to have some witty caption, some story. It's going to be. I, I, I don't necessarily like care if it happens one way or the other. I'm just saying it's going to happen if Corey Seager goes off and the Rangers win this series. Also, it's got implications in the playoffs right now. We know what the Rangers are doing, but the Yankees, as of right now, have a half-game lead for the last wild-card spot. There's L.A. right there at half-game back. There's Toronto right there at half-game back. So if the Rangers and Corey Seager come into town Take two out of three, kick him out of a playoff spot. The world might end for the Yankees universe or whatever they call it. So maybe I am a hater. And guess what? I don't care. Uh, For you Yankee fans, some of you might be saying, hey, Volpe and Corey Seager have the same number of home runs this year. True. But Seager's OPS is like 400 points higher. So. <laughs> um couple quick things. I am going to be tuned in to the Cubs and Cardinals in London, certainly the first game, because I love to see the pageantry. I remember the last, I think the last time we had it. Uh, Can you give me was... your London accent real quick? I don't know if you have one. I feel like you do. Yeah, it's probably not great. So I have to see if, if I feel like pushing it out before this show. Let me okay, see here. Okay. Just, Let just... me get through my stats there. I believe the last time they had a game over in England, the Yankees and Red Sox kept hitting the ball over the fence, and it, they called those home runs. I don't quite understand it, but there were so many of them. How's that? I love it. I knew I had to get it out of you. I knew it. Thank you. Was it? Okay, go ahead. Grade it in the chat if They're you're live on good. AMP. Or Somebody you said you sound Irish. Throw a comment. <laughs> I, yeah, sorry. Um, I'll be watching okay. it. I want to see if if the ball's going to fly like it did when the Red Sox and Yankees combined for like 37 homers and the pitchers are going to be bitching up a storm because the stadium is weird and the air could be, who knows? So, by the way, they announced that it'll be Phillies-Mets in London next year and the commissioner did come out and say, we're playing a game in Paris in 2025. So maybe we should go over there. We are there. I'm in. I'm in. As long as this show's still around, let's make a field trip. But... With all that being said, to me, the most interesting series is the one out west, and it's not the one in Los Angeles. It's up the coast in San Francisco. Giants just had their winning streak snapped yesterday by 
Blake Snell has been phenomenal as of late. Bumzilla. And Arizona's coming to town. And they have had a weird, weird road trip, right? They were in Milwaukee. Then they had to go back to our nation's capital yesterday to make up the one game that got smoked out because of all the Canadian fires. They end up winning that game. Then they have to make the trip cross-country. So they went from the Midwest to the East Coast to the West Coast very quickly. No excuses for a team that's won 13 of their last 15 on the road. Now, they've only these two teams only have squared off one time. It was about a month ago in Arizona. D-backs took three of four. Um, since then, the Giants have gone 25 and 10. I think that's possibly the best record in that span in Major League Baseball. For me, it's who's going to do the damage for Arizona. Because you want to know who did it in those four games against the Giants earlier this year? You'll never guess. Never. We could Ooh. sit here all day. Okay, just give it to me if I'm going to be here all day. Dominic Fletcher, who was sent down shortly after the four-game series in which he went 8-for-15 with two homers and drove in 11 of Arizona's 18 runs that series. Who's going to fill the Dominic Fletcher void? They got a lot of guys that can fill that void. They've been they've been I've sneaky played. good offensively. I don't know if it's even sneaky good offensively anymore, but some of the yeah. names you probably don't know, uh, Perdomo, and you got uh, Alec Thomas, who it needs to get going. Uh, then some guys that you do know, Goriel Jr., Christian Walker, Gabriel Moreno. I mean, they got guys. Yeah. Corbin Carroll. They've all been Cattell Marte. They've, they've been excellent. They really have. Uh, but San Francisco is playing great baseball. The last 10 days or so, they have cut the deficit from seven and a half games down to three and a half. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Logan Webb, I believe, on the mound tonight against Zach Davies. All right, let's move on to your guy, Byron Buxton. First two at-bats yesterday, he went nuts. 465, 466. Um, first time ever, I think, in the StatCast era where a guy had two over 460 in the same game. But I want to talk about this. Last season, Byron Buxton played more than 60% of his games in center field. He has been exclusively a DH this season. And Rocco Baldelli says he ain't hitting the field anytime soon. Is his nine-figure contract a waste if he cannot go back and at least be close to the center fielder that he was prior to inking the extension? I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a waste because – when he's right offensively, he can carry a team. He is a leader in the clubhouse. Like he, he's electric. Uh, do they want him to play the outfield? Obviously, I don't. I don't know when the next time it, it's going to happen. Center field, left field, right field. I'm not sure we're going to see it. Maybe even next year. I mean, he'd have to have some real progress over the off season uh, coming up to be able to be in contention for that. Right now, like you know, I've been around the team a little bit. When he has to run a bunch on the base pass, like he just gets sore. That's what they're worried about. They're, they're, they're also worried about the way he can play center field. And, and, you know, he he goes after balls. Like, it's very hard to turn that off. So, like, they're worried about that. But they're also just worried about a lot of running in general. Now, I can't, we just talked about this a little bit on Talking Baseball. And I, I might lose my my uh, analyst card here, my broadcaster's card with the Twins in mentioning this. But, like, do you think there's a first base in his future? Wow. Like they they have some guys like you know, what do you do with Kirilov, uh, Walner that's in uh, AAA right now going off like you could put those guys in the outfield not, not the best outfield you can have but it surely it opens up that DH spot so some days like will we see Byron Buxton in the near future at first base I don't know 
but like we should for sure try it because having someone set a DH is tough on a manager and a roster, not being able to use that for a guy like Carlos Correa, who like he's going to eventually get up there and he's going to be there quite some time. Like it'd be nice for him to be able to DH sometimes too. And to be able to get Byron in defensively and not have him run around a lot. I mean, that seems like kind of the position to do it, right? Well, particularly with the, uh, with the health issues that Correa has had, right? Ankle in the off season that cost him a $300 million contract. He's got the plantar fasciitis. That's an issue too. Maybe Correa one day ends up moving to first base and they keep Buxton. But man, I hate to lose Correa short. He is so phenomenal out yeah. there. That's years down the road. Um, so the question is, will they regret the nine-figure extension? Yes, they will. There's not one nine-figure DH out there except Jordan Alvarez, and heck, even he plays left field half the time. So they are going to regret that because Byron Buxton, as good as he is at times in the batter's box and the clubhouse, he's not David Ortiz. David Ortiz is the only DH that you could ever think about right now having given a hundred million dollars to, and he, I don't think he ever got that big deal. He, he was consistently what, what are you getting at? Okay. I mean, look, we're caught up on nine figures, right? It's the lowest nine figure amount that you can make. It's a hundred million on the nose. He's making 15 a year, dude. Like that's not, that's not like, I know. Ham, so it's not like blocking payroll for them. I, I get it. It's not going to stop how they do business, but can he be a four-win player a year as a DH? I'm not sure he can. I don't think $15 million is for a four-win player. A four-win player is, that's a, that's, I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what you should make. If you're a four-win player, 15 or maybe 17. That's well, just right. the nature the of the game are, right now. The, the numbers are going to go up as payroll. A four-win player is an all-star. Yes, but that's, I mean, David Ortiz, go look at his best years. He was a, six-win player as a dh as a guy who didn't touch a glove he was a six-win player so are you are you happy with i mean when they signed byron buxton this extension there's no way they thought that before his 30th birthday that he was going to be exclusively a designated hitter there's no way in the world you could tell me that no but but similar to how they got joey gallo over there like you know really bad year last year and they signed into the one-year deal or whatever it is they gave him like they, they wouldn't be able to afford Byron Buxton if he was completely healthy. So like in that regard, like they got they got a guy who like people love in Minnesota and kids love this dude in Minnesota and he's going to be productive for you. And you got him for seven years, hundred million dollars, fifteen a year. Like I don't know, man. Less than fifteen a year, AAV. I don't know. I think it's tough. Maybe it's just because he was so spectacular when he was out there in the beginning part of his career, like any ball that hung up for just a second to his right or left, you were like, that dude's catching it. And I love watching guys play defense. So maybe yeah. I'm just soured on the situation yeah. because as a fan, even though he's go he's the team that might prevent my squad from winning the division. Like I love to see guys healthy and competing. I'm not happy. He's not out there in center. I think it sucks. All right. Look, look, maybe something happens in the offseason and he comes back into spring training saying, I am playing. Hopefully. Maybe not center field. Like maybe I'll play left. Maybe I'll play right field. But like I want to be out there playing defense and we can we can set up a schedule where I play well, 60 games out there. Like I think even that would help. And and then what would you think about it then? 
Well, what I would think about it is that I heard the same thing out of Giancarlo Stanton's mouth. That's true. <laughs> That's what those are different people, bro. Stanton was never people, Byron Buxton but, in the outfield. No, but he was a good. He was actually a good outfielder. People forget he was a really good outfielder in the beginning part of his career in Miami. It's just that now his body doesn't allow him to get out there ever. I think he yeah. got out there last night for the first time since April. Um, I'm wearing a Washington hat, something I rarely do on this show. Not because they won on Thursday. They didn't. But we won as fans because Davey Martinez energized us all with his ejection by home plate umpire Doug Eddings. Kudos to the Masson crew for letting us listen in to their arguments. Here we go. I mean, that is... Really? Yeah. You're going to go there? Yeah, we're going to go there. Huh? Here we go, Davey. Let's go. Well, whoever said it, then we're not going to do it. Whoever, no, 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 no. You're not going to tell me. Whoever, you know what? Take you take care of your job out there. Whoever said it, okay, then I'll take care of you. And I'll take care of you. David, you want to get one? This may not end well for Davey. But he's still hot about Abrams at bat and others. The rabbit ears come out pretty, uh, pretty hot right here when there's uh, a little bit less of a crowd, sparse crowd. Okay, you're done. There he goes. And here we go. Davy's going to home <laughs> oh, plate, no. kick some dirt on it, dust it off, and then get down there like Philip Wellman, the old. I think he was the double A skipper for Atlanta where he did the old grenade toss. That's what it reminded me of. Um, I loved every bit of that. Every bit of it. Usually we have to wait for Jimmy to put a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Not for this one. Sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. They did your job here. That was, I mean, I don't really know what they were arguing about. I guess Davey didn't say anything. So Doug was just hearing somebody else in the, in the dugout say something, which is, you know, you can call rabbit ears, uh, um, but how are you not supposed to hear something when it's that, when there's nobody in the stands making any noise? So right. I don't know. I don't know who I side with on this one, actually. He was letting Davey, go, here, he was letting he Davey let walk back and then he dropped the, the curse word and then he tossed him. He called it a cheap shot, I think. I think that's what yes. I heard. Yes. If Doug let him go back to the dugout, I would have been like, Doug Eddings, I applaud you for letting that happen. Like, good Plus. for you. It's good for baseball. I love the aspect of it. Fans love that stuff, but he just couldn't let him walk back. Okay. I want to thank three people for this. Maybe even a handful more. Davey Martinez, awesome. I love the passion. That's twice this year. He brought out the photo against the Astros. That was oh fun. So he's yeah, he's been crushing it this year. Doug Eddings, I actually thought, did a pretty good job here. I mean, he explained it. Whether you agree with him or not, it was clear. And most importantly, whoever produced the game yesterday for the Washington Nationals and the TV truck did a great job. Sometimes those people are so worried, like, you have to talk over this because what if we hear a swear word? Oh, my God, everybody's ears are going to spontaneously. No, they're going to be fine. If you hear a swear word, it's, it's fine. You're going to be everything's going to be okay. So the fact that we could hear that discussion live, we get it so rarely, it was awesome. So thank you and thank the announcer booth for not stepping all over it too. That was really cool. Appreciate it. All right, 
Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful baseball weekend. Enjoy whatever your favorite series is going to be out there. Don't forget, get your all-star tickets. Click the link for Optimism Brewing Company up there in Seattle. On the Tuesday of the all-star game, we got our watch party. We got a live edition of Talking Baseball. It's going to be a blast. Go get your tickets today. The VIP ones are sold out, but still you can hang out, drink some brews with Trev and Jolly, Canovio, mm. Jake, and I might even be there too gonna be a blast all right my man have a good weekend all right you too see rosie let's text each other man let's go out to dinner or something come on man something soon i hear you okay. uh for our one-of-a-kind producer dan rourke and the uber talented and studly trevor plute i am chris rose we will see you monday on baseball today